0: Lasts more than an hour I don't know if I like that one Let's try The Dolphin Hotel invites you to stay in any of its stunning rooms Except one Because this is Slashers A horror movie podcast brought to you by a goon and his goon gala Who is entertaining him because the other goon is getting hitched Not as we speak because we're both in the wedding But soon And as it proximinates He has obligations wife this is your first time doing a video version of the podcast i know i'm a little nervous why you're a babe
1: <laughs> cuz my facial expressions don't hide a whole lot of things they're very honest overt yes yeah
0: you have judgment face pretty much anytime i talk about so my new kick that i've been <laughs> i've been watching a lot of godzilla content because king of monsters is coming out which i'm excited for and so i will talk to her about a kaiju profile or something i watched on youtube and it's There's like a little little tinge in the eyebrow where it's like, I'm so don't give a fuck about the four different Rodans. Did you know there was a male and a female Rodan? Talk
1: to me about it.
0: See? That's what I love. I I don't care, but he keeps talking. It it gets to the point where we're both such stubborn people that she's like, I am not going to listen. And I'm like, I am not going to stop talking. Chad will appreciate this because he likes anime shit. This is my very limited knowledge of anime. There was a Gundam show at some point, which is big robots fighting. Yeah. Yes. One Gundam has an unstoppable laser gun and one has an unbreakable shield. And I was like, why the fuck didn't you just combine them and have the best guy ever? Idiots. What movie are we Do doing? You have that
1: face right now?
0: You have, <laughs> yes. You had that face during our vows. <laughs> Wow. We just that went on Costco.com <laughs> and we were getting pictures blown up. And I saw a picture where she was like, these are your vows. You referenced Dana Scully in these vows. Yeah, bitch. That is not true at I, all. I did reference her though, correct? You did. And April O'Neil, correct?
1: That is also correct. And look
0: at my wife. <laughs> I done good. <laughs> so what movie are we doing? Bay? We are doing 1408. So Chad and I had discussed doing this movie and I brought it to you and you were like, I, I think I've seen something. And it wasn't that movie. And then we did this fun game where we went through (laughs) and you thought it was every movie but this movie, even though you acknowledged that John Cusack was in the film that you thought it was and it had a number for a title. It was only when I put on the title screen for the movie you're like, oh, I have seen this. Yes. I loved it so much. (laughs) It was like another testament to my stubbornness. Yeah. You're like, nope, never seen it. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? I've only seen a movie with John Cusack set in a hotel where there's a number for a title. And I'm like, <laughs> am I missing something? Is vacancy, is that spelled with like an alphanumeric or something?
1: I just kept on picturing like the, I don't know, the door, I guess. And not the DVD cover where it has like the key and, the and then both of them. So I don't know. I was, I think I'm a very visual person. So I was picturing, obviously incorrectly, but I was picturing the DVD cover and it, my memory, I guess, did not not serve me well.
0: Well, it's also the cover is a little bit weird. Chad has brought this up ad nauseum. I don't know if he hates Samuel L. Jackson or what, but Samuel L. Jackson got the same pay as John Cusack to do this film and has top billing, even though he's in it for less than 15 minutes. And so he's half of the cover.
1: Deserved, I think. Oh, for sure. And I feel like his performance absolutely deserved that amount of. I completely agree.
0: I love his character is the best part. If
1: he was not in this film, I would not like it.
0: Um I don't know that I would just completely not like it, but I do know that there would be a certain limitation. There has to be a very specific type of person to play that role. So, if you've read the this is a fun bit of trivia for slashers. When it comes to every Stephen King adaptation we've done so far, I did audiobooks, but for this movie, which started as an audiobook, I actually read the fucking thing. So, <laughs> In the book, novella, 21 pages of goodness, uh, the hotel manager is a short, pudgy white guy who has a nondescript European accent. And then we end up with Samuel L. Jackson. So, I mean, I really like the presentation of this character by comparison. The other characters like pudgy and weird.
1: Oh Well, I did not read the DVD or the I mean, the. You were distracting me.
0: I know. I was distracting myself. There's a cricket. Can you hear the cricket? <laughs> you yes. It's driving me freaking nuts. <laughs> I'm sorry. For those of you at the podcast, the YouTube, just deal with it. You know?
1: I did not read the book, so I can't imagine a pudgy white guy as the hotel manager. Like yeah. Samuel L. Jackson nailed it.
0: Yeah. The only criticism I have is his character is consistent throughout the one kind of thing I liked about Olin in the. Uh, story was that he has that kind of jovial, oh, I'm good natured, but then it's there's a darkness when he starts talking about it versus Samuel L. Jackson's always kind of serious. But something that John Cusack said in an interview I watched was there's a certain degree of street cred that this room automatically gets by Samuel L. Jackson being afraid of it. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you just take what he has to say seriously.
0: Exactly. He ain't afraid of no motherfucking snakes and no motherfucking flame. Or my favorite bit of ADR ever. Did you say ever.
1: flame? Huh? I think you said flame.
0: No, I said plain. Okay. It's we'll plain. It d- we'll play it. We'll
1: oh, okay. <laughs> play it. It's You said You're
0: yes. Best.
1: I was. I was so glad because Chad was like, "No."
0: <laughs> I what did I say? Flame?
1: Yes. Yeah, what is
0: flame? I. Don't know. That's not even a word. I know. Maybe I was. Maybe it's because I was getting to this. My favorite bit of ADR ever, I, I don't, Chad, have I mentioned this on the show before? My favorite of all time is from Snakes on a Plane when they dub it over for TV. And instead of saying motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane, they say these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. Monday
1: to Friday plane.
0: The weekend's off, it's party time. Uh, <laughs> it's the soul plane on the weekend. You remember oh, that hey movie? Yo. I think that movie came out around the same time as 1408. Really? I don't know, no, maybe. I, was like, I didn't a- fucking see it. <laughs> So, the movie has four endings. Which Did you like the ending that we got? Bless you. Bless you. Sorry. Look at this fucking professional <laughs> that I'm married to. I think she sneezed with her eyes open. We keep <laughs> The show must go on. Anyway, did you like our end Our ending is the one where he plays the tape recorder and his wife is like, What? I can hear my dead baby's voice. I'm going to drop these delicates. And he has that smug look of like, I told you. And she's like,
1: I, we actually kind of talked about this. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that she, the wife can hear their daughter's voice. I wanted it to just be him hearing it just because that would add to his insanity and just solidify, right? That he, it was just all in his head.
0: So another ending, he dies and then. Samuel Jackson goes to the funeral, and then as he's driving away, he sees John Cusack in the rearview mirror. There's another ending where, just like you said, John Cusack only hears Katie's voice, and the wife just doesn't have anything. Uh, and then I think there's yet another one where uh, something, but whatever. My point being, I f- like, which yet yeah, there are parts I like of each of them. I think the perfect ending for moi would be something kind of like mission impossible and what i mean by that is this message will self-destruct in six seconds and so as soon as he (laughs) hears the daughter's voice and he like looks over at the wife then you see this like of smoke come out of the tape and so it's like nobody's ever gonna hear this again and neither of you fucks can prove it
1: okay and he and she does not hear it
0: no she does hear it but she can never recreate it so she has to wonder if she's crazy too it also builds that and also in my ideal one doesn't write the book In in the short story, he doesn't write the book. He actually abandons it all, and he ends up sleeping with the lights on because he like for the rest of his life he has failing health because he's been so fucked up by the scenario. And the light always reminds him of the Australian desert, even though he never goes there. Hmm. It's something that another. So he just stops writing altogether. Yep. I like that. Yeah, he's like super traumatized. And here's an interesting fact: the movie is fucking longer than the entire events of the short story. The short story takes place. It sets forth very clearly that his time in the room is approximately 70 minutes. And then there's no follow-up beyond that. And there's a little scene with him and the hotel manager before. And that's the whole thing.
1: Do you think that the film would have been as effective if it had done that?
0: Yes. Really? I think that it would have been more effective, but it would have to be R. I don't think you'd do a PG-13. The audience that were... Uh, appealing to is the lowest common denominator with a pg-13 you can get for horror right right so you're not having people who are well versed in horror or literature you're you know teenagers and tweens and this is a great intro movie to horror though i think and so if you're presenting it out there you kind of have to spoon feed people to an extent versus an r-rated movie i think you're it's much easier to just be like here's some spooky shit deal with it but that's not
1: really have like a lead in
0: yeah, I mean the lead or in like for a this, backstory, exactly. The lead in for this is completely not important, but we'll get into that when we do the slay by play. You thought you were going to derail me, and I'm a fucking pro. All right, now I read something, and I don't think it's true. Somebody said that the axe that the fireman uses is from The Shining. Oh, uh, sure, not happening. Well,
1: that would be cool, but very. Oh my
0: it was also shot at the same studio in L Street in London. Don't believe it. Fuck off, John Cusack. It, oh, apparently the ledge that they use that he walks along was also used in Stephen King's Cat's Eye in 1985.
1: Uh, have you seen that?
0: I know. Okay. I don't care. Uh, this is his second appearance in a Stephen King adaptation after Stand By Me, also based on a short story, The Body.
1: Hmm? And Did you see that?
0: Probably. Okay. I vaguely recall I it. I think I get it confused crazy. with Pretty Woman. What Pretty Girl? What's the one where the kid gets stung to death by bees? Well, it was not Pretty Girl. Pretty woman.
1: Girl. My girl? My girl. That-
0: My pretty girl. See,
1: I know none or
0: <laughs> Last one. Did you know this was the first time that John Cusack and Samuel Jackson had shared the silver screen together?
1: I did not know that. Do you I think thought it- their chemistry was good.
0: Yeah. Did you think this was the last time?
1: Oh. N-
0: no. Do you think it's the last time for a Stephen King adaptation? No. That is correct. In 2016, they were also in Cell together. Not The Cell. The okay, Jennifer was, Lopez movie, which is badass. <laughs> that movie is fucking dope. And not enough people give it credit. As a vegan guy, to watch a horse get cut into 70,000 fucking pieces and spread apart is like, Oh, oh. But awesome. You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, I'm going to fuck your life up. And is it never also sleep again. Movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is severe. This is kind of in that like event horizon, like almost really amazing. But there are some flaws. OK, maybe we should watch that next for the next one you do. There but you I've go. also I've put you up to series in the past and, and, and I like, planned out very meticulously what your next appearance will be on the yeah. show. Never happened. We were going to do all the mimic movies. Never happened. We were going to do the species. Uh, it movies. was Never
1: not happened. to my.
0: Don't get defensive. OK, it's well. not it's not your fault. It's the circumstances. We have a little redheaded tyrant running around our house now, who walks and runs. How does that so make exciting. you feel old?
1: <laughs> uh, no, mm. just tired.
0: <laughs> you, all right, are you ready for the stab statistics for this week?
1: Hit me, not literally. <laughs>
0: um, no, I don't do that. Not gonna convince me, homie. Don't play that stab statistics graphic curse. There's a stabbing sound effect. <laughs> Budget twenty five oh, million dollars. No? <laughs> gross. <laughs> Was one hundred thirty one million nine hundred ninety. You fuckers couldn't spare an extra one thousand seven hundred and fifty eight dollars to make it a nice even one hundred thirty two million. Cheap fucks. Domestically seventy one million nine hundred eighty five thousand six hundred twenty eight. So domestically not we could right. have done our part by doing an extra, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, opening weekend June twenty second two thousand seven. Do you know what other movie came out?
1: Oh no. Same, same weekend.
0: Exactly. It's the competition. You actually have seen this movie. I have not. I avoided this movie like The Plague because I thought it sounded terrible, and I like the main actor in it. This is a an unofficial sequel to another movie that stars Jim Carrey. I'll give you a hint. The Office. I'll give you another hint. Noah's Ark. Evan Almighty. Yep.
1: You didn't ever seen that? Nope. Oh,
0: sounded terrible. terrible, so I was like...
1: What? Oh. Well, I mean for you.
0: Yeah. Down with Satan. No, I'm <laughs> saying dog. Do uh, you know what other movie came out? Black Sheep, not the Chris Farley film, but rather a movie about uh, it's a New Zealand film, I believe, where it's a bunch of rabid zombie <gasps> sheep because that sheep amazing. they outnumber people like millions to one or something like that. I think it's like ten to one statistically, so pretty dope. We should watch that. We'll do. I already forgot what the next movie is, but after that, we're gonna <laughs> do. Cell. Yeah, we're gonna do Cell, and then we're gonna do Black Sheep. Runtime: one hundred and four minutes. What did you think?
1: About the time.
0: Yeah. Well, I uh, used to say, it's it easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl? But you were like.
1: <laughs> I um, I thought that some of the parts dragged on a little bit. Uh, so I thought that it could have been cut. But I also wasn't like, oh, God, just, mo-, you know, just get it over with. Like, I thought it was fine. So
0: you would describe it as not like our intimate life where you're like, Jesus, finish this up already. But more like, uh, you know, a, an episode of The Office, season nine, where you're like, "It's not great, but I'm just gonna get it done." Okay, so. okay, that's fair. I would definitely agree with that sentiment. There are some certain scenes in this movie, where you're like, really, I'd much rather have had an hour and a half movie and spared ten minutes of like the needless intro before the intro and stuff like that, which we're gonna get into. In the slave I play, you still didn't derail me because I'm <laughs> still a professional. Directed by Michael Hallstrom. Do you know any other movies that he's done?
1: Uh, no.
0: He's a Swede. He did Evil in 2003, which John Cusack was like, for those of you who are only listening to the audio format, I just mimed Jacking Off. He also did Derailed, Drowning Ghost, and this is one you might have seen, The Right, where Sir Anthony Hopkins plays a possessed priest. Mm -mm. It's almost a good movie, but it is not. Written by Matt Greenberg, who wrote Halloween H20, Pet Cemetery 2019, and you might like this one, Rain of Fire. Christian Bale with some butt fucking dragons flying around. Remember that movie? Also, oh, no. Really?
1: I don't think it's so. Right
0: up your alley. Maybe.
1: I mean, I, if I saw the cover, maybe.
0: If, imagine Christian Bale with a beard and some dragons. Okay. Also written by Scott Alexander and Larry Karazuzki, who did Problem Child one and two, and Ed Wood, and The People versus Larry Flint, and Man on the Moon, and the first Goosebumps movie, which was good. <laughs> I, that's actually a very fun little career that they've worked out and especially man on the moon huge fan of it if you haven't seen it indulge yourself so there's some credentials behind this all i mean it, it i think that they had to be very creative to take 21 pages and turn it into this film even if there is some filler the gags and stuff that you see you also always have to factor budget and stuff like that into yeah. it, something like this like they built a fucking hotel room that could submerge into a giant tank that could tilt at 45 degrees. I mean, this is not some fluff, blue screen, green screen thingamajig.
1: Well, you can tell by that budget.
0: 25 million, that's actually not that high. Is
1: it 25? 25
0: million, but they grossed a lot higher than that. Oh, okay. So, you don't believe me. She's looking at the tablature, my friends. Sorry. Wow.
1: I think that by the time I had looked at it, I only saw the gross. And so I was like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. sorry.
0: So I'm gonna scroll back to where I was in the notes. (laughs) And we can move on to nicknames, which used to be called nicknames, but because I stuttered once, I changed the name. Oh, you don't know this. I did not know. You that. don't follow the show <laughs> week to week. This fucking guy, can you believe this? John Cusack. What do you think his nickname should be? I have one, but I want to see what you say. Don't look at my tablet. I wasn't
1: looking. I don't know. I All don't mean, have anything.
0: Let's move on. Samuel Jackson. What do you think his nickname should be? Do you have... uh, Let me simplify this. Do you have nicknames for anybody in this movie? No. Okay, perfect. So for John Cusack, I have voted High Fidelity. Have you seen that film?
1: No. Fuck.
0: (laughs) I picked it based on a movie that you might have seen. It's a rom-com. No. What? Sorry. Fuck. Better Off Dead. No. Guy who talks to Sandwich in Better Off Dead. No. He talks to a sandwich. It's the best scene of the movie. No. Fuck. I don't have anything now. What? Gross point blank is too long to say, Chad. G.P. Blee, Gibb. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say the one guy who's in this fucking movie for <laughs> 80% of it. We're going to come back to that Main one.
1: Main character one. It's,
0: there you go. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. I thought this was going to be easy for you. Prozone.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Yeah.
0: You guess so.
1: But that, I thought, you know, like when it, we come up with nicknames, they're usually like related to the film. You I know? try, like, but
0: sometimes I go a little too weird and people oh. are like, what? Like uh, Urchin Mary? was mine for the pregnant chick in uh, legion because it's like the virgin mary but because she's like dirty and i think that nobody resonated with that there's like you should have just called her prego or something oh, yeah. that was what it was in my notes <laughs> i fucked it all up
1: way to go honey i you, did sometimes you try to be too close
0: i do that's urchin mary I mean, that's what i'm even saying so i was like doing the whole tap of the nose whatever that means
1: so i i am down with prozone well, it's easy also- for me to remember
0: he fucking freezes in the movie. So I no. thought that was not, not him, but Mike Enslin freezes. Oh, okay. So it's I like, was like, no, I'm I'm sticking with Frozone.
1: He technically is in the fridge.
0: There you go. And he's cool as fuck. He does not sweat at all in this film. Mm,
1: all, right. all right.
0: All right. Then there's a bunch of other people. I don't give a fuck. Tony Shaloub's in it, so you can call him Monk. But I mean, oh, there is one that I'm very proud of that oh, Chad no. did not like. So the daughter, Katie, was played by Jasmine Jessica Anthony. I want to call her Cinderella. You're sitting there. Why Cinderella? Because of her clothes? Nope, not because oh. of her clothes. Oh,
1: because she turns to ash.
0: Yes, exactly. That's good, right? It's stupid, but it's good. Sure. You've only just begun. Yeah. All right. So we're going back to Mike. So he's sarcastic. He's a writer. He has a terrible Hawaiian shirt on. He starts a fire. Mm-hmm. We call him the temp because in the office Ryan started the fire. I'm trying to help you out. I'm meeting you halfway and going to references that you like. Otherwise, I'd call him like Pyro and reference the X-Men.
1: We can call him Pyro.
0: No, I don't want to do that. I want you coming to me. I do
1: like Pyro because he does set fire to the room. Why didn't we? That was just. Why wouldn't you just say that in the first place?
0: Because I was trying to help you. I was trying to be considerate of your feelings, but I guess you didn't Uh. want that. Anyway, so since you don't care about me coddling you and you think you're a big bird on my show, how about you do the recapitation? Whoa. Too late, you're already responsible. <laughs> For The shortest description of this film you can muster.
1: Last time you gave me a hard time because it's like a run-on sentence. So what do I have to, is it just like a one sentence, or can I can I have like a short paragraph?
0: You can have one sentence with a semicolon.
1: What? Um a
0: writer? Yeah, I was gonna
1: say a man. <laughs> but
0: a man who writes.
1: <laughs> but then you're that's too many words that I'm already using exactly. part of my sentence. So a writer who investigates haunted hotels.
0: No? No, he does.
1: Okay. Um, checks in to room 1408 and discovers the poltergeists.
0: Nope. Specifically not a poltergeist. Oh shit. Specifically, what? specifically what not a spectre it? either. It's a scary fucking room. Remember? That's oh, what Samuel yeah, Jackson's room.
1: Uh, and discovers a haunted room. Is that good?
0: I don't, it's not haunted, but still it's fine. Oh,
1: a possessed room.
0: Still not, it's an evil fucking room. Well,
1: I'm not going to say that just in case.
0: Okay. (laughs) Whatever. It was good. It was a valiant effort considering I was being antagonistic and I was trying to like puff up my chest. You did a really good job. I love you. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Moving on into the slay by play for the week. Movie starts off. Chad and I flipped the fuck out about this. You didn't care.
1: No. Yes. Okay. Mike
0: Enslin <laughs> is driving. Oh, Pyro is driving Thank his car you. in the rain wearing a stupid hat, which apparently ties into the fact that he is both a Chicago White Sox and Cubs fan in real life. Fuck off, John Q. I don't <laughs> have time. Too much. He's driving.
1: No one cares I about t- your
0: personal life. <laughs> yeah. He drives past the sign, pulls back to the sign. He's looking at a map with a flashlight. Now his headlights are on. There are lights on the sign. But then he shoots a flashlight at the sign to see the sign to change the course of his driving. I hated it. I yelled. I was like, you cannot be serious. And you were like, no,
1: you didn't yell in the movie. You yelled when we were talking about it later. Like I
0: I yelled as a declarative statement. It is true. (laughs) I did not say I yelled at the time. We will look back. Chad. I don't know if you know this. Chad is also a shorthand court reporter as well. And he types (laughs) a uh, transcript of these proceedings. Can you go? Okay. Apparently, he wasn't ready and he hasn't been typing. For every episode you've been on, you haven't been typing? Well, fuck, Chad. What have we been paying you for? We haven't been paying you. Fuck. I'm so sorry. I'll get right on that. Anyway, uh, he ends oh, my up-
1: my are hurting.
0: From smiling? Yeah. Uh, is, is that because you're trying to do like drop dead gorgeous with like the Vaseline teeth and like pageant or because you actually find me funny? Fuck, I'm sorry. You
1: had me at Vaseline. They put Vaseline on their teeth?
0: Yeah, so that your lips don't touch your teeth so that you keep them pried off. Really? It's an awful sensation. I know that was a terrible, a terrible
1: face, but that just makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I now I need to like clean my teeth because I'm <laughs> like, oh, that freaks me out.
0: Yep. Uh, the, you know how they got Mr. Ed to speak on the old TV show? The peanut butter. Yeah. Right. That's kind of very similar. Like uh, Under the lip sensation, not fun. Hmm. Good uh, to know. That's coming from a guy who likes peanut butter and is also a horse. <laughs> you didn't know that? Weird. Anyway, he ends up at the Weeping Beach in and it's just so funny because it's haunted by a lady. It's the weepy bitch in like it's wow. It's so obvious. And like, I don't know if they thought that, that was the joke or what, but he shows up. He's checking in and these people are so excited to have him there. He's like, can I just get the fucking room key? Right. I don't care. None of this impresses me. And the lady has this brochure. and She's like, look, it's a picture. You could see a lady with a sickle. It was taken in 1985 Wait, a guest. Yeah. But it's funnier now because we're over 10 years after this movie came out. So 1985 is even longer in the rear view, which makes it even more pathetic that she's so excited about it. I loved it. But I also hated this scene because it's completely unnecessary. Really? Yeah, it's unnecessary.
1: I thought that it was kind of like, kind of set up the fact that he's like, all right, look, I deal with people like this all the time. Like every hotel that I go to, I have to deal with some schmarmy." Some smarmy.
0: <laughs> For those of you listening, you definitely heard a thud sound because she just violently punched the I, pop I'm filter. It's
1: emoting okay. with my hands. It's okay.
0: <laughs> so it's just setting up his backstory. So why he's so cynical when it comes well, to the fortune. Right.
1: Because he has to deal with all these, sh- you know, hotel owners that are like <gasps> trying to get people to their ho- Their you know random hotel in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's right it's a, because, actually, it's, because
0: of that. There's a great reference to Psycho in here where he mentions that it's a great way to get guests to your hotel when the highway is off. It's a reference. It, the reason that Bates Motel in Psycho is so run down, they expected the highway to be built and it wasn't. Right. Um, so
1: Kind of like in Legion. Very simple. Exactly. Station. Exactly. Not a hotel, was that good? Is that a good call? Uh,
0: I said gas okay, station slash on. diner. But I mean, no, you did a great job. So I listen. don't
1: like this patronizing pat on the back. I'm
0: not. It's true. <laughs> put her there, kiddo. You're doing. You're doing great, Slugger. So he walks around the. You know, he's recording his little smarmy stuff. He does like the luminol test and stuff, and where he's checking with the black light and the I EMF feel, meter. Oh, right, right, right. That, and that he's part like
1: checking cool. out the fireplace and seeing if there's anything up there. Yeah. And, yeah. What does he do when he gets into a room every time?
0: He takes a cigarette and he puts it in the ashtray, which is kind of correct. In the book, he does have the same cigarette. Oh. His brother died of lung cancer, so he oh. hasn't smoked, um, which they reference in the movie as well. So
1: no, I didn't know about the lung cancer. I thought he, he just it was like a superstition. No, and he had quit, but it didn't say like why.
0: He quit because of his brother. Did it say that in the film? So in the film, actually, there's a reference to my brother was eaten by wolves on a Connecticut turnpike, which is actually directly from the story which I think that that's part of why the story is effective in a lot of ways but I know you can't do it in a visual medium so we'll get to that don't worry I'm staying on target because I'm a fucking professional (laughs) anyway there's an orange light in the room which is like the book that's all so he goes from this kind of sad little hotel to a book signing which is sadder
1: yeah it was (laughs) it was hilarious like when he was walking in and he's like hey I'm here for the big event and he's like what event
0: Oh, the guy's like, cool. Like, there's a line over there. And then he's like, I'm the guy signing the books, though. And he holds up this picture.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see the likeness. And then he proceeds to read the like description from the paper over the loudspeaker to this very sad, you know.
0: Four people in the crowd.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, just in the bookstore. Like, not even like the crowd specifically. Well, yeah. But then, you know, you see him talking to four people.
0: And one of them asked the most generic question. What's the scariest place you've ever been in? And he's you could tell he's snarky as fuck. Exactly. Um, Some other questions. And he talks about having the EMF meter and his technology. And he says he wants to believe. And he says, "Uh, regarding ghosts, I've never seen one. But they're awfully convenient when the interstate moves from the hotel. So that's the cycle reference. And he talks about how uh, I like the idea that he talks about wanting to see one. That's very much like how I feel about religion. It's like, I would love the comfort of believing in God and, and you know, pre everything. Like, I, that's very reassuring. I just don't believe in it. And I think that's almost worse. And I think it's kind of similar here where he's like, I'm giving every opportunity for a ghost to show itself to me. And it just hasn't done it. So it makes the reveal a little bit more so because he's proving himself right each time he does the emf meter and never gets anything mm-hmm. so it's not just that he's cynical it's like i've tested it so it's cool. you, you... and
1: so why do you think that he's like searching for these
0: ghosts? so in the book it's just something that kind of comes to him conveniently similarly he was a talented writer that's kind of uh, according to the hotel manager has kind of squandered his potential and that's what happens in this as well.
1: Right. Cause you see, like, uh, one of the people in the book signing comes with to him with his first book that they really liked and was more fact like based on what well, he says. It's not based on a true story, but I feel like it is based on his own life. Yep. And, a long road home. And they, and she really liked it. And anyone that he comes across seems to really enjoy the book. So, you know.
0: Yeah. It just comes out of convenience. In, in the short story, he does a series of these books and this he does it and it seems out of necessity and it's just he has no presuppositions that this is anything more than just fluff that's paying the bill which I I very much appreciate
1: so you don't feel like he started doing this like in search for like an answer oh because like something beyond right
0: in the book I don't I have no recollection of his daughter having passed in the book yeah and it's weird because I, I read somebody else online make reference to it and He does talk about having an estranged wife who bought him the lucky Hawaiian shirt that he's wearing, but maybe I just skimmed over it because I'm a bit of a speed reader, but I don't remember anything about a dead daughter. So uh, that's one of the things where I kind of like the idea, especially because he's so nihilistic in this. Uh, I like the idea that it's not that he's looking, that almost he's looking with the sense of I'm going to prove that it doesn't exist. I'm going to prove that the ghost stories that my wife was telling this dying girl were wrong, and I'm going to be able to live a life of leisure because of it. Doesn't I mean he lives in California. He's he's still able to surf. He seems to have a relatively carefree existence that's funded by these stupid little trips to hotels.
1: Well, you think that he's just like this carefree guy? Because I feel like he is like a tortured soul. Like he is depressed, and he is he has moved like he has taken himself as far away from New York right as possible. So he moved to the other side of the country. Like he's kind of living with. Very little, right? Going surfing, has an old car, even though I'm sure with the money that he makes from the books that he could afford more. Well, I'm talking about his
0: lifestyle being carefree, not him. I think that he has a lifestyle that it's born of necessity because he is a tortured soul. I think that that is a a very fair statement. Okay. But. Why are you being skeptical? If you're already fucked up, you're not going to want a, like a more stressful... He's not going to go out to go to medical school and become a neurosurgeon, right?
1: Right, but you are saying, like, oh, he's just leading this life of, of leisure when I don't feel like that he is doing it just to be, like, relaxed. I think that he's doing it because he just cannot handle...
0: I think we're both saying the same thing. I think that he has a lifestyle that's leisurely because he doesn't... He can't handle the stress because he's on a precipice of doom and dismay These, this tortured, wounded little bird. And that's why Lily comes back and she's like, oh, it's okay that you left me. and You said you were going to buy cigarettes. I'll take care of you nine years later. Anyway, moving on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They go to the beach. He goes surfing. He sees a plane going overhead with a sign for, quote, cheap auto insurance. And he gets hit by a wave and goes under. Which is like
1: my fear. <laughs> I hate the beach. And so I was just like, oh, this is pretty scary <laughs> right here. <laughs>
0: right? Practical stuff's scary. I mean, it's always those things where you're like, ugh, like uh, when Judd Crandall gets his Achilles cut off. You're like, oh, oh God! Yeah, no. Which anyway.
1: I almost did as a child.
0: Yes, this is a bad story. Do you want to tell it? You don't? <laughs> no, I could. Do you want to be that autobi- autobiographical? No. <laughs> okay. There, There is a theory that I have that he's already dead in this movie scape. Uh, it is kind of touched upon, but we'll get into it later when he has the flashback to it or what have you, but no surfing in the story. I don't care. I don't think that this is a long distraction. It's not much filth. I, I, You know, it's a two minutes of actual screen time. It's fine. You were upset that it wasn't actually Chris Hemsworth who asked if he was okay.
1: Yeah, I was like, is that? And he's
0: like, damn. Yeah, Because I rewound it because I wanted to make sure I could read the sign on the plane and she's like, is that Chris Hemsworth? And I was like, nope. And she's like, are you sure we <laughs> should rewind it? And I was like, okay, but it's still not. And she's like, maybe it's his brother. Still no. Some guy. All right. Then he goes to the post office. A P.O. box. The clerk compliments his new book and he's like, Yeah. And he looks at the clerk like you're a douchebag. Meanwhile, he's wearing a fedora and sunglasses inside. And just <laughs> the worst ensemble of all time.
1: That's true. I thought the whole I mean, his wardrobe for the entire movie was pretty terrible. But I think that again that goes to his like writer persona also
0: the the wardrobe in the actual hotel is spot on i mean he in the story he's depicted as having this uh, uh, ugly hawaiian shirt that he wears for good luck and i mean it's, i actually really thought the costuming was effective so it's i'm glad that you shit all over it. it's fine <laughs> the next scene is in a diner he's looking at brochures for all these hotels and he's like get fuck." just like you said it's these people who are like come right review right. us i want the five stars on yelp and i want to be in your book Gets a birthday card. Couldn't give a fuck less about the birthday card. You have no idea how old he is. Who cares? Shows he's a tortured soul. He's just he's counting down the days till he's dead and can be with Katie. Cinderella. Is it funnier the next time? You see how seamless it was. Okay. He.
1: If you had said Cinderella and not Katie, then I
0: think it would've been better. But shit. All right, gonna have to go back and edit that. (laughs) Uh, He gets the postcard from the Dolphin Hotel. Don't enter fourteen oh eight. I can't take it seriously. There's a contraction. If you want me to take it seriously, do not enter 1408. Am I right?
1: Oh, So who do you think sent the postcard?
0: There are so many dumb fan theories online. There, the oh, worst one I God, saw I was that it's it. the hotel manager sends it to him because he's an angel. No. What? No. That's a what? dumb idea. I don't think it's a terrible idea that the hotel manager does send it to him if you have the ending where he dies and then... He is haunted by John Cusack in the rearview mirror because he refers to John Cusack's character, Pyro, as being a hero for dispossessing the room.
1: Okay, but why would he have sent him the postcard if when he actually went to the hotel and wanted to get in the room, he was like, no, no, no.
0: Adding the mystique. That's one of the things that John Cusack. Mm, I don't buy it. Oh, that's who do you think sent it then? Jesus.
1: No, I don't know. Like, that's why I was curious. 'Cause I just don't I was trying to think of like who might do this. And I thought maybe it might be like one of his fans, like of his books, or maybe his publisher. I don't know. The road so his wife. Maybe she wanted to get back at
0: him for <laughs> week. Yeah, dude. They're still I don't married. Know. Life insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> then she lives a life of leisure. Just saying. We've watched enough forensic files. It's definitely what happened. Moving forward. He does the math, and he finds out that 1 plus 4 plus 0 plus 8 equals 13. Booyah. Oofy. He goes home and calls and asks to book the room for 1408. He's told it's unavailable, and he's like, motherfucker, I didn't even say when. And the guy's like, it's unavailable. He's How like, about next week? Unavailable.
1: How about next month?
0: Unavailable. <laughs> next year.
1: How about next year?
0: Click. You got your ass hunged up on. I was going to say something inappropriate. Oh, do was, it. No,
1: it's too late.
0: Inappropriate. <laughs> so then he goes to the library and he's looking at microfilms. Have you ever done that? No. I'm so jealous. I've never done it. Chad, have you done it? It's bullshit. Oh, okay. Because
1: I always see it in movies and I'm like, do those exist? I don't, see- I'm not at the libraries that I go to. Never.
0: It'd be fucking dope to do that. I am so envious. It looks cool. It has that cool sound effect. It's way more satisfying than just going on Wikipedia.
1: Yeah. You know what we Just should do? Googling.
0: This is what we should do. Next time Wikipedia asks me for 50 bucks or whatever, I'm going to say, redo your articles. So they look like microfilms. And I'll send you 50 bucks. But until then, don't fucking bother me. Now, I'm I researching see, I my like, movies. Do
1: they have to turn a knob? Yep. Okay, see then. So cool. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know what also I like? I like the rolling ball thing.
1: <laughs> okay, but it reminds me of like old um, an old mouse that I used to have for my computer.
0: Yep. I like that Back too. in the day. We'll incorporate the two. We'll have a knob and a rolling ball. And we'll move on. Uh, so there's a cool shot of him when he's being studious with the microfilm thing where it's the overhead with the ceiling fan. Do you remember that?
1: Yes. And oh. his notepad, right? He's flipping through his notes.
0: I like it because later on they mimic the same shot to show the time has passed. And I thought it was cool.
1: Oh, I thought that they, not that time had passed but then again he was just in this psychosis Because I thought the first shot where they showed it, he had had notes like he was taking notes. But then the second time they came back, he flipped through his notebook and it was blank.
0: You're going ahead. You're talking about after he comes out of what he thinks is the trauma at the beach.
1: You said the two shots of that same thing, right? You said they call back to that.
0: Yeah, but I think you're totally right. It's just I'm just talking about the aesthetic. It's showing that from the because it mirrors itself, you're seeing that this is him in his presupposed future. After he had, you know, it's hard to describe because the room is giving him these hallucinations or whatever, right? So, it's the second time is a hallucination mirroring something we've already seen, anchoring it in a you know pseudo reality, right? Yeah, but you're totally right. Blankness, okay, just like what's between my ears. Blankness, uh, then he goes to the publisher and he's calling Tony Shalob, uh, monk, master splinter. If you like certain bad movies, not that bad, but just not that good. They talk about they get the uh, lawyer. The lawyer doesn't do any real talking, but whatever.
1: Well, and he was instructed not to really.
0: Yeah, because they believe that Mike Enslin, the pyro, can get along in the tooth when it comes to talking. Maybe Jake should have played him. Hey, yo, take that, June, John Cusack. I almost said June, not Joan, not John, June, their third sibling, Oh, I what punched you! My <laughs> do
1: <it on> <laughs> Whoops.
0: so they talk about the federal civil rights law. They say that they'll sue if they don't get it. And then Tony Shaloub is like, "Hey, you're gonna be in New York. You're gonna call Lily." And he's like, "No, I'm not gonna do that. It's just business in and out." That's what he said. E-e-e. That's what a hamburger is all about. He lives in California now. It's clearly what he means. Uh, he so you were annoyed. You're very annoyed that I had rewound the film to look at the time code. What are you even doing? I was super annoyed. I was like, I just want to make Nothing
1: su- had happened like of significance. And so I'm like, what the fuck is you- happening right now?
0: Just after 1408 in the movie, it cuts to New York and that's when he's in the cab pulling up to the dolphin.
1: Yeah, but like nothing like, ooh, that was cool. It's
0: fun trivia. Okay, people would be like, oh my gosh,
2: 1408, it's so good because there's
1: trivia Well, it would have on- been great if there was something happening, but there was not.
0: Well, people say that the movie ends at 144.08 and I'm like, I don't, I can't be bothered to check that. No. This I'm just telling you as a matter of fact, this is what it is. Don't verify it. Chad is turning. What? Yeah. See, that's your copy, though. I'm talking about the one that I was watching. Fuck boy. Oh,
1: see, that's the hard part because we we saw just the, the theater release. Yep. Right. And, and, and then, Chad's
0: over here with his directorial. And you're the one who gave us the copy of the theatrical. Well,
1: uh, even still, just so you know, nothing was happening.
0: Yeah. It's entrapment. Chad's being silly. So it goes from the cab to the foyer. He checks in. The computer says, Call the butt fucking manager somebody checks in. Right? That's what... I read that. Anyway, she's super polite. There's a baby crying, which happens a lot, which distresses me as a young father. The busboy is like super in the face and he's like, can I help you with your bag? And John Cusack's like, no, you can't help me with my bag. Get the fuck out of my face. Get some Mentos. The fresh maker. And then... Okay,
1: did you watch... While watching that, when he got into his face, were you expecting that character to come back later? Yes. Not good at this stuff yet. Mm, I was not I was like whoa personal space man at the very but least not, I expected I was it to not be expecting.
0: mimicked by something else mm-hmm. okay. because it was such a strong choice comparatively you see in like certain movies they like if you watch Alien Resurrection it's I think it's the same guy who did Delicatessen please correct me if I'm wrong Chad I love to be proven wrong because I don't have any anxiety about that at all but in like a lot of French cinema it's super in your face and it's very disorienting and because this only happens the one time, and it wasn't like a choice throughout the movie by that point, I was like, "This is weird. It's coming back. Mm. You'll get there."
1: I know. I'm just.
0: This is what happens when you watch The Emperor's New Groove 150 times and not The Shining 150 times. Let me just. Anyway, this is where we get uh, Samuel Jackson comes on in, Frozone himself. What do mm-hmm. you think? He he offers. First, he takes him back to the hotel or the office. And
1: he's like, I take them back to the, hotel. Take them back to the
0: hotel. <laughs> anyway, he's like, hey, I can get you tickets. I can get you some Knicks tickets. I really like that because it comes into play with. You. Did you like this scene? Tell me your thoughts and feelings on it. Tell me all your thoughts on God because I'm on my way to see her.
1: Well, like you were saying, I actually really liked that he had this like back and forth with him separate and apart from how the book went. I thought that this was a fact. Effect- I liked this introduction to yeah. the hotel manager.
0: I would like this to just have been the intro to the film. I mean, I think that it's, it's a strong enough scene to really catch your attention and be like, I'm in it. Like going back when we talked about Legion, I feel like Legion, you could cut out everything up until Gladys. Everything is useless up until that part. And you can just start with that and go shits at the fan. I don't care about these people. And in this, it's one guy. And in this scene, he talks about all of the key points you establish in the first hotel stay, in the f- book signing. All of that is established here with his cynicism, his sardonic nature. But you could tell it's Pat. So.
1: I could totally see that. And I at first I was like, no. But then like I liked the oh, other. In- cutting it. Yeah. yeah. But I can see why you would say that.
0: So did you know that? that uh, I don't know how solid your French is, but apparently. The booze that Samuel L. Jackson offers him is called the 57 deaths. No. And he says that there's only been 56 deaths in the room, thus implying that John Cusack will be 57. Some fancy fucking booze I know nothing about. He tells them that nobody lasts more than an hour.
1: Okay. Which I. Okay. Because once that he started getting into the room and he was like walking around, checking things out. I was like, well, time started. Like, you can't. Right. When you enter the room, Mm -hmm. even if you were like, okay, when he entered the room and closed the door, even still, it's not just 60 minutes. It's longer than that. So I was like, well, he already he already beat the clock.
2: Yeah, I don't have a problem with that.
0: In the in the way the story works, it's so it's broken into four parts, even though it's a very short story because it was originally it was written for on writing and it was the whole purpose was Stephen King was just showing you how you do things as like an example. But then he liked it, so he kept going. And so the second part, the first thing takes place over approximately 70 minutes. So you know from the... It's not like it's hidden. It's not like something that you find out as it progresses. Mm -hmm. Boom. The first thing you know is everything you're about to see happens in a very short time. And at first, I was very reluctant about that. I was like, this is kind of weird. But then I really liked it as I was reading it because I'm like, in the book, they do a really fun job of making things disorienting. And again wouldn't work in a visual medium it works very well in an auditory medium or a i guess a textual medium because like for instance when he goes to the room for the first time he can't open the door because you get in correct because the door is slanted but then he's like the door isn't slanted and then the door is slanted and then he gets into the room and then all of the pictures end up being crooked but huh. they're not crooked And these are things that would just become tedious to us, but you see those that mimicry over and over again. The the trickle-down, it really works very effectively. Chad and I were talking about this. I think that the Stephen King stuff, based on short stories, 100% badass compared to the long stuff where they're cutting out stuff like fucking space turtles and children fucking. That's it. That's why I haven't read it. I'm not gonna. I probably will. Chad's reserved. Chad has... The number of times that Chad's been like, I'm doing that episode. I wonder if Brian's having an identity crisis. You're <laughs> like, what if I want to do that episode? Because I, this is my, sh- I am the captain of this ship and I will not miss a single episode. But Brian can miss as many as he wants because Chad's doing it. We'll probably do it. That stupid movie's coming out. It's fine. There was a naked old lady in the trailer.
2: Didn't they
1: just come out with one?
0: Yeah, but it was the first half. Oh. And so for the, I'm going to lose credit with some people, but I didn't see it. Why didn't I see it? Because I'm a crazy completionist. And I'm a crazy completionist, so I wanted to watch them both at once. It's the same reason in our household, we haven't watched Game of Thrones beyond season one because I was just gonna watch it all at once. And then all you fucks out there were like, eight seasons sucks so bad. Guess who's not ever watching it? This family up top.
1: I don't know. I have the summer off, so
0: this is bullshit. While I'm out there slaving, you're gonna be watching Daenerys get gang banged by some guys with makeup on. That happens, right? Chad's watched it. Chad's watched everything, though. You watched the Supergirl show on CW, I'm sure.
1: Hey. That's-
0: you don't watch this. What? Since when? Who are you? The idea that you would sit at home and watch a Supergirl TV show instead of <laughs> rewatching The Emperor's New Groove every single day baffles my mind.
1: Okay, I was feeling sick because since you brought it up, like, I watch it so many times. I was feeling sick yesterday, and I literally watched it, I think, two, two times, maybe two and a half times. <laughs>
0: I believe it. And this is one of the great things. I have bought it for you. We have DVD. We have Blu-ray. And you watch it on Netflix. Only. Only. (laughs) It's awesome. Because it's
1: so much more convenient. And if I'm already feeling sick, I don't want to walk all the way over to the DVD player.
0: Naturally. Put it in. Four steps. Anyway, moving on. He does the no one lasts more than an hour. He talks about that four people died under his watch at the hotel. And that since then, he forbade anybody from, you know, staying there. And it doesn't have magnetic card. It has a key because technology doesn't work inside. That happens in the story. Very effective. It's simple. Had a nice little trail. I like the reveal of the 22, quote unquote, natural deaths that also happened. Yeah, I thought the book. that was good, too. Yeah, because why would they ever report on that?
1: Right. Exactly. It's not sensational.
0: So uh, he offers
1: offered my, my favorite part. Is yeah, I oh, yeah. oh, damn it. Go for okay, it. No, no, okay. do it. You do it. So uh, the whole, probably the whole. I'm sorry, I was really excited. Uh, the whole film was he's like giving him all these reasons. He gives him the booze, and he's like, "Oh, thanks." And then he's he gives like, him a
0: book of all the stuff that's happened, and said, "You can use it." Right. We'll take pictures in, this in another office,
1: room. Right. There's another room that looks exactly the same. No one's ever going to know. Takes the booze. Takes the folder, and then he's like. So can I have the key? And he's like, damn it. <laughs> damn it to hell. So good. it was the best. I was like, oh, and this is why I love Frozen.
0: Frozen rules in this movie. And uh I had a theory when I was reading the story that like the booze that he gives Mike was just laced. You know, if it was, you know, LSD or something like that. It's well, totally in fun. the story. What did you... As say? I read it in the story. Oh, Which okay. I liked because... So
1: you came to that conclusion yourself Correct. while reading the story. But in the movie, it actually... He comes to that conclusion. Correct. Okay. He, he
0: kind of thinks about it in the story, but he immediately rules it out. Versus in the movie, he's kind of questioning it, but then he immediately keeps drinking. So I liked it. It's, it's a nice nod to something that I was suspicious of, so it's cool. So, uh-huh. And then he lets him have the book anyway, which I thought was interesting. Even though he does the, damn it to hell! Yeah. <laughs> And so they go up, and as they're going to the elevator, the hell elevator, I guess, if you want to call it that, right? Cause it takes them to hell. Uh, he says, oh, yeah, The he starts dub or transcribing, because, or not transcribing, he starts dictating into his mini-quarter that blah, blah, hotel manager is trying to say spooky shit about Spectre. And he's like, so I didn't say that. You're misquoting me. And I appreciate that as a guy who gets misquoted fucking daily. And I, I am always like, da, 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 da. and then I should
1: see our arguments.
0: Oh, it's so good.
1: It's obnoxious,
0: yeah. And we have a live-in court reporter when <laughs> Chad's not here. Uh, apparently, Chad's not doing his fucking job. Whatever. That's neither here nor there. He's like, okay, then what do you call it? If it's not a phantom, it's not a specter, it's not this. He says it's an evil fucking room, and I love it. It's like Doctor Loomis being like, he's just fucking evil. Michael Myers is just evil. He's not some fat kid who was abused. Nothing like that. I just like things that are bad to be bad. And this is perfect for me. Do you agree?
1: I like that as
0: well. It's not as convenient and simple as people died here and their ghosts are hanging out. It's more. It's it's an entity. It's kind of like, you know, if you remember the film The Haunting, it's that house is a creature, you know? or I you know I've seen that. Event Horizon. I know you've seen that. <laughs> the spaceship is alive. It's yes, a living organism. Booyah. So. Oh, there's an interesting difference in the book or the movie from the book. When they're going up the elevator, he talks about how one of the housemaids went blind in the room. That does happen in the story. But she after- stabs her eyes out?
1: No. Oh. After
0: about a half hour, her sight regains and she's fine. Huh. In this, she stabs her eyes out. Much more cinematic. So I thought that was fine. Yes. Turning it up to 11. Uh, then one last time, uh, he asks about the Knicks tickets, which is kind of funny. And then at this point, Samuel L. Jackson's just like, I've had enough of your shit presses the button and the doors close as John Cusack's is about to come turn back and say something else that's smarmy love it I love it you know how much I love doing this if somebody wants to have power over you this is life pro tip if somebody wants to have power over you don't say the last word don't give them the satisfaction of the struggle just be like you don't matter to me because you can see the pain on John Cusack's face you're like oh wait I have to go talk to the scary room now I don't, you're not going to be here anymore love it what do you think
1: I did not take as much satisfaction in that as you
0: did, clearly. Well, it was good. In the in the story and the film, You know, he says, this is as close as I get to that room unless I have to. And he stays at the elevator. Right. But in this, with the door closing and him looking back, that's his last lifeline. He has nowhere else to go. Now he has to confront this thing that's been built up. I, I like it.
1: Right. And then he's walking the halls and he looks at the pictures, right? But he gets
0: so disoriented that he walks the entire perimeter and comes back to the elevator. It's the same elevator. He goes all the way around to it because he's been looking at the book and he's so distracted. He's so in his own head. I don't
1: think I realized that.
0: Yeah, it's very nicely disorienting. So when he gets back to the room, because
1: I was like, okay, you know, because you go to like big hotels and they kind of like wrap around and like there's multiple elevators. So I thought that that was just the case. But I like the fact that he's wrapped around and now it's the same elevator. And now the manager is not there. Right.
0: Exactly. And so this is where you see, quote, my brother was eaten by wolves in the Connecticut turnpike. And what's interesting is this is splattered with a little bit of blood on the pages, right? Which is something that one of the prior guests had said versus in the story. The one of the things that I found super effective about the short story is that he's constantly dictating and virtually none of it is intelligible. It becomes rambling. It becomes very confusing. And there's only about 10 minutes of actual audio. I really like that, but I can definitely see why they wouldn't do that in the film because it just becomes dismissive and kind of disengaging because it's it's just in his head. When you're reading it from his, you know, this perspective and point by point with no kind of omniscience and you're really confronted with it, mm-hmm. it works really well. Like when he says these random things and turns of phrase like that, and then as he says it out loud, he's like, No, my brother died of lung cancer. Like I know that's not true. And then it comes back later. It's it's cool. Highly recommend the read. Very brief. Then we go back to this door. He, he does. He unlocks it, and you can see the mechanism from inside. What do you think of that?
1: I was just going to ask you, like, why do you think they did that? Just to show, like, oh, this is an actual lock, but it's not really haunted. Like um, that, it's not like a trick lock. Uh huh.
0: I think they did it because mm-hmm. they show the mechanism so that when he tries to pick the lock later with his letter opener, you know that he's trying to effectuate just clicking that latch over. It's a very basic key. It's not like a... I didn't feel like it was necessary. It's not.
1: I kind of just like that it was like a skeleton key and they could have just...
0: Left it at that? Yep. Agreed. And he opens the door. He walks into the black room rather than turning the light on before entering a room like a doofus. And he dramatically says... I don't remember. This is it? That's why you don't remember because I was like, fuck you. It's just like Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi where he's like, We've built up this whole thing and he just throws the light. Fuck you for throwing the lightsaber, sir. Make it meaningless. But I do like this character doing it because the whole point is I just had to listen to this guy fucking talk to me for 20 minutes. I just read this book and it's just the blandest room of all time.
1: But I really did like the shot where he was walking into the room and it was that spooks me out because like cool. I, that freaks me out because I could imagine myself walking into a hotel room like that's immediately I have to turn the lights on. And the fact that he just walks in and I expected to see some short like a shadow or like something crossing that like little patch of light. Mm -hmm. Nothing. So I thought that was really.
0: It's a good way of making your imagination do the work. Mm -hmm. And I I like the fact that he's completely engulfed because you can see you see his back in it and as he enters. It's kind of like a symbol of like all hope is lost. Like he is completely within this entity. He no part of him is outside. But It
1: made me feel
0: like also like uncomfortable i just don't like walking in the dark i i'm not gonna stub by toe for fucking anybody <laughs> so he is going through the banality of the room he uh checks and it's eight dollars for beer nuts this room really is evil did you like that joke i thought it was good uh the thermostat's not working immediately he talks about the banality of evil in describing the room he's talking about this and he goes it does have its charms it's good. I, I I like John Cusack in these parts of it, but then in the like intense parts, it's just
2: kind of not there.
1: I was well. Thinking he's of, like a like he plays Smarmy very well.
0: Yeah, if we did the Avengers in the 90s, he's so much more Tony Stark than Robert Downey Jr. is. A because is Robert old uh, statement. Robert Downey Jr. is in rehab at that time, and I think John Cusack. Well, given his kind of bland and weird amorphous face, I feel like he could be three characters. Tony Stark, Stephen Strange, or Reed Richards. but I don't don't...
1: feel like he would be affected with any of those.
0: What? You (laughs) bet better than Cumberbatch. What? Cumberbatch was boring. Anyway, we're moving on. He goes to the window, then the clock radio turns on, and he hits his head as we hear, we've only just
1: begun. I think that was the most startling point of the whole movie. That was
0: you. Yeah, you jumped hard, and then uh, when it came to the chocolate, you were were so proud. You're like, the chocolate the chocolate's different. I was like, yes, it was. You're getting this. You're getting the inconsistencies. But I like the way it's built up. I love the choice of song. You know, Jeepers, Creepers and all those movies, they just they do the old song, The Carpenters or whatever. And it's redundant and awful most times. But this is great because it's like a challenge from the room. It's like, oh, no, no, no. We're just starting now. All of your little sadness. All of this is just this is it. And, And this bump on your noggin. Just wait. It's going to get a lot worse. Like, I really like that eeriness. Mm-hmm. Did you get that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Did it work for you the 17th time that they played the song? Because by then I was annoyed. Eh, no. All right. So, I'm just he walks by and he rips off some of the toilet paper, and wipes his neck with it, throws it away, and he walks by the toilet paper again and it's also refolded. He becomes Very suspicious that somebody's in the room. That's pretty good. I mean, considering... We're talking about something as bland as folding toilet paper, but it worked out. You like it? it?
1: Yeah, well, because he, I mean, it goes, he kind of runs through the room. So you kind of get, you know, how the setup of the room. Yeah, it's a good introduction. Um, So I thought that was good.
0: Then he ends up sitting at a place where he can see as much of the room as he can. I like that, too. And it shows just
1: logical, right?
0: Well, and also like how suspicious he is. Like at one point, he even looks up in the vent and sees something. He's like, I got the camera. And yeah. freaks it out a little bit, more than a little bit.
1: I did you expect something? Well,
0: probably not. Why don't I even ask
1: to pop out of the wardrobe, like when he like flung it open?
0: Yeah. Too obvious. I know. If anything happened, it would be like a hanger or something like that. It would have to be. A huge I
1: thought misdirect. maybe because you know, like sometimes there's like a like a moth or like a bat or oh, you know.
0: I thought you were gonna say like a an ironing board that would fold out. Oh, that would be good. Too. That'd be fun. Smack him right in the nose. Be like, bad John Q. stop looking in the armoire. <laughs> that would
1: probably be more likely in a hotel room right than a bat
0: he calls out you're gonna have to try harder than that asshole up the vent when he thinks he sees the camera that's fun the the thermostat's over 80 at this point so he calls to fix it and they're like okay well first they're like are you ready to check out sir and he's like no and then he asked for help and they're like okay we'll send help right away
1: and he's like really yeah
0: i love that (laughs) it's like wait okay you're calling my bluff. fine I like that the thermostat plays over and over again. It's a nice little bit. Cause also my favorite character in the movie, second to Samuel L. Jackson, is the gentleman who is the technician. The actor's name, of course, obviously is Isaiah Whitlock Jr. I knew that. I didn't have to look at my notes. I just did for redundancy's sake. Did you have anything to say about that?
1: Uh, I liked because he refused to go into the room, right? So he comes up to help help fix the thermostat and he's like so are you gonna come in or are you just gonna stand at the door he's, he's like, like no uh, I, I ain't do going not in this room <laughs> go in this room yeah. and so he's like any idiot can fix it <laughs> that's great he's like you know just take it off tap the little mercury, mercury. and then it'll fix itself and it does and before he can turn bit. around
0: to say thank you the guy is already gone and he looks down the hall and you can just see the feet turning around the corner i like that yeah I,
1: also I like it. that it wasn't because I I thought when he disappeared, I was like, was that just like a like a, Spooky? I don't know what you want to call like I spirit, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're going to correct me. I don't know. I'm not spirit. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I'm glad that we saw his feet. So it was like a real person.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're left handed. So I the know. pop filter's Whoop, on the left side. Sorry. What we can do, I'll you know, just flip it like that. Ain't no thing, girl. There we go. I take care of you. But I also like the fact that... And
1: you did it too, so I can't really... For I'm sure. Really
0: I hit <laughs> these things all the time. One thing I like is you never really see him interact with a person that you can prove exists. What? I like to think... Because you never see the engineer outside of this room. I like to really think that he never talked to another person. That this is okay, just Okay, so like.
1: like what I was saying... Sure. Well, I, mean. I thought that it made him real. The fact that you could see his feet. So you're saying that he is not real.
0: I like to think that he's not I think it's spookier if he's not the idea that like this room fabricated this idea that there is help because there's a certain degree of you know people referring to to hell if it's just constant suffering, it becomes bland you know uh, well
1: he even mentions like the seven levels of
0: exactly and so one of the ways to make hell truly torturous is to give people hope and then to deflate it so in this scenario, he thinks he has a lifeline of people he can rely on and then he never gets help and he's just left alone. Until he gets firefighter help. I mean, what do those guys ever do for anybody? (laughs) He drinks more booze. He throws chocolate. The radio plays. It's only just begun. And it flashes to 60 minutes. And it's the final countdown. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's good times. All right. And also, that that applies to you, Brian, who is not here. It's for your wedding. (laughs) Whatever. There's a, an awful pitch sound that really fucked with my ears and made me frustrated. It's good. It's very effective. And then when he goes to the window and he opens it, he looks outside, there's no sound. It's dumb, but I like it. I think it's good.
1: I was frustrated because I'm like, okay, I get like, okay, the room is screwing with him, right? He can't hear anything. He goes, like, looks out. He sees a police car, right, with its sirens on or it's lights on. So you assume that there's supposed to be a siren and he can't hear anything. And so I'm like, all right, well, so when does his hearing come back? Like, is it back? You know, you know, and then it just, he starts hearing things again.
0: Which I like. I like the fact that it's, it's something that's very simple that you could interpret. If you have a brain like mine, where you're just like constantly questioning everything. And I made something way bigger out of what is literally just an editor going mute. I mean, that's all that is, but you're like, is it the room? Is it just like? Uh, is there even an outside that I'm seeing? You know, in uh, in the book, he okay, because that
1: I like that theory. Like, is that is he actually looking out a window? Yeah, because every time he looks out the window, he sees the same exact traffic pattern.
0: Yep, exactly. That's why I don't think it's real. I, I like mm. those. And in the short story, he refers to hearing like a saxophonist, and the saxophone ends up sounding completely different than the way it should. And I think that's why they did the pitchy thing.
1: Interesting. Which
0: we'll go into this, you know, because we're talking about the window. You really seemed to pop for him looking across the way and seeing the other fella.
1: I, himself.
0: Oh, spoilers. Jesus. Do you want to <laughs> tell people about that scene?
1: I, I liked it. I, I really thought that was... Describe it to people. I went closer than i like
0: <laughs> She's such a good sport, guys. <laughs> Thanks, babe.
1: So he looks out the window across the way right to another building and he's calling for help right he's waving his arms and uh yelling (laughs) good and then he dances a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and as he's starting to do these movements the other person starts mirroring like mirroring him a little too closely and so he can't really see this figure. So he grabs a lamp from his room and holds it to his face. And the other guy across the way does the same thing. And who is it? But it's
0: Makes me a little sad. Cool. What? He needs to have a goatee. Okay, but. <laughs> Chad knows why. Oh, you don't. No. Mirror, mirror. It's one of the best episodes of the original Star Trek or TOS oh, no. if you want to be hypercritical about it. I have a Spock uh, mirror, mirror. Uh, fun. That's one of like the three Funko Pops that I own because I love that so much because the evil version has a goatee. Oh, so uh, I, w- I would have liked that, but it's fine. Fuck he, what I it want. was
1: kind of like an evil version of himself, though, because it was like even more dark and like moody. And he was smoking.
0: Know? Smoking is bad, kids. He was wearing and all he black. And he was wearing black. Yep. Ah, beat you. <laughs> I don't actually beat my wife. Just want to make that clear. Moving on. <laughs> uh-huh, the phone checking it. A- and this is hard. So my notes, I mean, I kind of don't want to go through the notes like we generally do for the chronological order of slay-by-play just because it sounds trite when you're just like, oh, and then this happened and this little thing happened and this little thing happened. So just see the fucking movie then come enjoy it with us and we'll talk about it. weird shit continues to happen, but it, it consistently ramps up, right?
1: Right. So do you want to just go through like our your favorite parts of the...
0: Sure. I think that's actually a lot more fun. Uh, I He goes up into the vent no, that wasn't my favorite. that's not that great but i do like the way that so there's the spooky guy who's like dusty and there's some cockroaches and the spooky guy grabs his leg and he kicks him in the jaw and it falls off and then he kicks him in the head and it caves in that's fun it's kind of cool reminds me like the mummy and stuff it reminds me of uh i think doug jones played that guy who's the little dude in the hocus pocus who cuts open his mouth you remember that
1: oh yeah
0: whatever his name Fuck, who, who cares it I did like in the vent when he looks down in the other room, he finds out. Yep. There you go. He finds out that the baby who's been crying in the room next door is Cinderella. He sees his wife and he hears himself saying, I'm going out to buy some cigarettes. You remember that? That was good. That was way more effective than fucking cockroaches. I watched Fear Factor, bitch. Unless he's eating the cockroaches, not impressed. (laughs) What'd you think of the melting phone? Uh. Looked like white chocolate.
1: I was like, what was he saying?
0: Anyway, whatever. Yeah.
1: Didn't like that. I did like the mini fridge or the mini bar
0: scene. I just kind of wish that Samuel L. Jackson's voice was a higher pitch like the Indian <laughs> in the cover. <laughs> hey, I thought I told you not to go in that room. But I, I like the, the To your point, I like the part where he's fighting with the like snacks right. in there.
1: Right. That was the, the most effective for me because it was like, okay, you see... He it's just the room. Like it's just the fridge and this is all in his mind and he is just in a plain old hotel room. Yep. So I thought that was really I thought it
2: was
0: really I do too. I mean, I, I like the fact that and they do it kind of effectively in the story and in this, there are times where you're ping ponging back and forth where you're like, is it just him? Is it the room? And the movie obviously goes pretty far on the weeds when it comes to showing the destruction that the room mm-hmm. ends up going through. But I I like I think that it's cool. I, I kind of wish that before the fire there was more of the you know, because he wakes up on the floor and everything's normal again. Mm-hmm. I wish there were more flashes back to that so that you can really show like he doesn't know what's happening. But it wasn't bad. Uh, Do, okay, sorry.
1: Before good. you go on. Don't ever apologize. Do you feel like he enjoyed filming that scene with it, like destroying the fridge?
0: Like, Why? Oh, well, I sincerely hope so. Because <laughs> I can just imagine like. I imagine him being as excited as Chip Gaines. <laughs> Be like, I get to smash all this stuff. <laughs> The director's like, yeah, I'm Swedish. I don't know if this is the accent I'm supposed to have, but to just crush everything. Is that what Swedes sound like? Sure. Chad's sure of it. Chad's also a linguist, for those of you who don't know. Aside from being a certified shorthand reporter.
1: Multi-talented.
0: Yes, he is. That's why we pay him the big bucks. <laughs> All right. So uh, did you like the whole thing with the dad in the wheelchair and the no. boring? Doesn't work for me.
1: Yeah, no, I don't. And I didn't like what he said.
0: Some muttering to himself. Yeah. It wasn't clear. There was no tiebacks. I get that it's alluding that in the long road home that there's a paternal relationship. So Okay, this that is- was
1: the only uh, that's the only connection that I liked. Or I was like, Oh, cause he was like, No, it's not true. And I'm like, Okay, well clearly it's true.
0: Exactly. So that yeah. was it. <laughs> and the wall. Oh, did you like the bleeding wall? I didn't because it didn't look like blood.
1: Yeah, and when he touched it, it was like bluish purple, which I mean I like get I'm that her low. Like, I know.
0: I've never had it. <laughs> it looked reddish, purpley, whatever.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Not like horror movie blood, I guess that I'm used to. Yeah. So I was like, man, but I think because I had seen the movie, I was like, okay, I know this is just going to burst. Yep. So I'm like, eh, this is kind of boring. Wasn't did, effective." Did you my like favorite? The whole... okay. I was just going to move on. Yeah. My I'm... favorite part of one of my favorite parts, I guess, of the room was when it was snowy and icy in the room. I thought that it looks really cool. And yeah, I don't
0: know. I liked it. I mean, I really like when people fuck around with negative space and I think that making the room completely white, yeah, it, it I don't know, it's, it's completely desaturating. And it makes it look very odd. I really enjoy that as well. Uh, his acting is a little bit, it's hard. It's always hard to do cold. Cause it's like,
2: right. so, you know, whatever,
0: right. uh, I actually am surprised at how much I liked the ledge scene in this compared to when I've seen yeah, it before. That was a good one. So he just crawls out on the ledge and he keeps sliding over to try to get through room fourteen ten. And then it pans out. You see that the only two windows on this building are his, his room. Yeah. Uh, and then when he comes back in the room, the big payoff is when he looks at the map. Yep. And then there's no map of other rooms. It's yep. all black. That's what really did it.
1: I like the you are here,
0: and it's just one, just one little tiny little square. That's right. Yep. Isolated. It reminds me of. Chat will know this. Max Payne. There's a level where you play in like this weird hellscape where you're walking on trails of blood and blackness. It's not good. It's actually quite annoying. And I died many times playing it, but it reminded me of this. So he, oh, he gets on Skype, which is actually Yahoo video chat with his estranged wife. And she's like, We're not even divorced. Are we divorced? I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. A lot of expository information. He's like, Oh, you got to call the cops. Did you like that the room that has like a different video of him saying you have to come to me and save me i love you so much blah blah a super cheap effect but Uh, yeah arguably effective
1: i don't know i think for me if i was the wife i would have been like no hell no sorry about it you left like i go buy
0: some cigarettes fuck boy Uh,
1: yeah so i don't know for me i would have been like nope yeah but
0: i completely agree i mean i think that it (laughs)
1: So if you ever call yeah. me from a hotel room, I'm going to be like, sorry,
0: not about <laughs> it. But, you know, the effect that they're trying to reach of creating a sense of stress that his wife is coming and could be in danger, considering all they had to do with that was film on a little video chat I thought was effective. But then the whole remainder of the movie, it doesn't matter. Yeah. She shows up in a cab and she's not in any danger whatsoever. It's right. like, All right.
1: Right. I th- Well, yeah. I'm glad though that they didn't have that. Like they didn't add more. Like it was just made the movie longer. And oh, yeah. like, like while I would have, like while that would have been more suspenseful in ways, I just feel like it wasn't meant for that movie. Like for this movie. That's very fair. Yeah. You know, because then it's not her. It yeah, no.
0: Did you like the blank Bible? Yeah, pretty good.
1: Did you yeah. like him winking in the movie? Like the film to the oh the picture wife. in
0: picture? Yeah when he's like looking at himself and being like i got you bitch and then wink. We- yep mischievous winking i'm a big fan of anyway uh it, from the bible it cuts to the daughter talking about why our bible's purple and you find out that she was terminally ill and she died and the mom was religious and he wasn't and that shows i just i mean like it's cool i don't care like it doesn't add anything really to it the idea of you know him being cynical or disbelieving or agnostic or anything it doesn't really pertain to what's happening That kind of removes me from it, but again, it's it's harmless filler. It doesn't anything where I felt betrayed and or like my time was wasted. I just feel like I didn't necessarily gain anything out of it. I could
1: see that. I did kind of feel like that was one of the parts where I was like,
0: "Okay, I'm glad I'm saying it out loud." As the father to a daughter and everything, I'm like, I could, I know I'm supposed to feel like a great degree of sympathy here, but I was just kind of like, mas rapido, por favor, no gusto, (laughs) la pellicula." think that's right anyway the r- room gets frosty like you said negative two degrees blah, blah blah oh yeah the after your little frosty room after the laptop was destroyed by the sprinklers it turns back on and it's lily and she's like where are you the cops went into room 1408 and it was empty i like that it reminds me like the twist where it's like the call's coming from inside the house yeah. sick all right uh, but that's the wink oh yeah In the painting, there's a woman breastfeeding a kid in the background. That's actually not far off from the book. In the book, there's a lady who bleeds out both of her nipples as she's honking them at him. Unsettling. That's weird. Yeah.
1: Well, but okay. So in the movie, (laughs) that's one of the effects where I was like, well, this is kind of cheesy because it reminded me of the pictures in the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. And so I'm like, "Ah, I've seen this. This is boring. And so... But the fi- the picture that you were talking about, like it- at first she's in the background, right? But then once the room really gets going, right, she comes to the forefront with the dead is now a dead child. Yeah, right. It's, and it's everyone's a, like looking like super on super blue. It
0: looks like it's some kind of weird alien creature. Yeah. The dead kid is like super right, blue. Right.
1: Yeah. But do you feel like that was? No. OK. It's dumb. There we and go. then
0: like the, the hunt where the dogs turn on the people and you hear dogs barking sick i'm looking at a static image with a you know sound effect awesome then you get the boat you're like all right how long until the water come on it's gonna happen and then the water shoots out of the painting did you like that
1: i did i liked that Uh, because i was like wow that would be fun to film and i was like do you think that he did his own stunt
0: (laughs) yeah no so he wakes up on the beach just like he did earlier after getting bombarded with water and he ends up in the hospital, and Lily's there, and she's like, "What's up, baby? Nothing happened." He's like, "Oh, I thought I was in New York." Blah blah. And she's like, "No." And so they go to dinner.
1: Could the movie have ended there for you?
0: Um, yeah, it doesn't. It wouldn't have offended my sensibilities at all. Um, be especially if they showed something to represent that he had like lingering doubt or fear or something to show like he was manic or some kind of like post traumatic stress from the event. I think that's fine. Okay, but if it was just like. Oh, I'm fine now. That was weird. Right. And I wouldn't right. like that. Okay. What about you? Would you have felt ripped off?
1: No. That's why I was like, I when I when after watching that, I felt like there were multiple endings in this movie. I'm like, oh, is this it? Is this it? And then, you know.
0: Yeah. One thing I thought was funny is when he sees the lady who jumps out the window in the restaurant, mm-hmm. it reminded me so much of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. And you were there. <laughs> and you were there. I was like, get the fuck out of here, John Cusack. And um, then he starts writing the book and it's like, it's writing itself. I really yeah, hated it. I,
1: I hated like his, his posture. And he was just like, tick, 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 and like, like super hunched over. And I'm like, Oh, do I look when I'm typing in a computer? Yes, you I do. Not.
0: I mean, what? No, you look great <laughs> every time. So I really hated at the end when he's like, the wife's like, I've never known you to write so fast. She's like, I've already written this book. Get fucked. Groundhog's day. Nobody cares. Sorry. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Ugh, I don't know why it annoyed me so much. I just really hated that line. So they go. he goes to the post office to mail the manuscript. And then the guy who works at the post office isn't the same douchebag. It's the bellboy. Right. And all the people rip it down. And he realizes he never left the hotel room. Fuck. <laughs> Did you fall for that at all? Or was this, this was predictable?
1: You no, know, like I said, I felt like there were multiple endings because I kept on being like, okay, this is, is this it? is this it and so when he was back in the room i was like all right is this it
0: no. Nope. you got like 10 more minutes at <laughs> yeah least. i know i like that he had the toothpick and he's like i was out i was out it reminds me of every time I get out, they keep pulling me back in <laughs> silly silly oh and then it one thing is interesting how he suddenly has a bloody nose and bloody ears
1: okay i noticed that too i'm like uh, oh was it because of the sounds of them like tearing the mail or right the no, I don't
0: idea. know. I always fall for bloody ears, though. It's always unnerving. Like in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Vegas, they do it, and I'm always like, ugh, hate it. It's such a small thing, but it's gross. <laughs> uh, sh- oh yeah, so he, Katie's there. She walks across bloody feet. I guess Cinderella. maybe it's Christ-like. I'm Cinderella <laughs> picks up the dead <laughs> baby girl. She dies in his arms. She just died in his arms tonight. Oh, huh? Okay, whatever. So then. The other song, Now you do it's only just begun. Oh we've only just begun.
1: We've only just begun.
0: So you hear that vibrato? <laughs> Up top. Awesome. So then the daughter turns into Ash and Cinders and is dead again. And then he says, Oh, I really like the line where he's like, You can't take her from me twice. I really thought that was
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was painful.
0: painful. And then they call and they ask, Do you want express checkout? And he's like, Nope, I'm not killing myself, motherfucker. And then they, you know, they ask about. Well, and then
1: they, you see, a noose.
0: Yep. In multiple rooms, yeah. it's like following him, kind yes. of. And then he sees the two graves: one of Katie and one of himself. I'm like, who buries themselves in a hotel room? You can't even go six feet deep because then you're in room th- what would be twelve oh eight because there is no thirteen because fourteen is on the 13th floor, but because of superstitious reasons, it's called fourteen, but it's actually thirteen. Whatever. And then the call like the, the hotel room calls him and is like, your wife's going to be back in five it's Melty, melty. I look like white chocolate. Yeah. Bleh. And then uh, he talks about how he lived the life of a selfish man. and He makes a Molotov cocktail, throws it at the clock. Then he lights a cigarette. Smoke them if you got them. What would you think of that?
1: <laughs> Which part? The Molotov cocktail or the cigarette?
0: Both. Both? I. It's the same thing to me, I guess. I don't know. Really? Honestly, at this point, I was like, it's getting a little long. Like, let's...
1: Oh, no. I Like I said, I had thought the movie was ending like three times before yeah. this. So I was like,
0: in the story, uh, he literally just sets oh. his own shirt on fire.
1: Oh, yeah. That's severe.
0: He just, and so it like burns up. It's, it's like shitty polyester Hawaiian shirt. And then the guy from next door saves him. There's no, what? There's no firefighter or anything like that. It's a guy so who's like just trying to mask back then, It's interesting. It's a guy who was, um. oh, it's really sad on camera. He was, what's it called? a sewing machine salesman, just like the first guy who killed himself in the room. And he's just walking by with an ice bucket. And so he puts out the fire and just like in this, you know, the Enslin pyro, whatever we're calling him these days says, don't go in the room. Like it's haunted, spooky, spooky. And he, he says that to the fireman, he says it to this guy, whatever, doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, I like the idea of him setting himself on fire a lot, but I could totally see why. For the dramatic effect, he sets the room on fire because you get that kind of badass. Like I'm, si- I don't give a fuck. It's kind of like that little dog where it's like, this is fine. How
1: it, Chad in the director's cut when he lights the room on fire? Does it still the Molotov cocktail or oh, okay?
0: Should have lit himself on fire. You know one effect I really liked is how the the little placard for 1408 when it melts and the black ink just keeps pouring out of it, but it oh, doesn't that. doesn't come out completely. I like that. It's not just ink. It's the venom symbiote. Did you know that? Oh. Yep. I just combined that. All connected. I would love to see uh, John Cusack as Venom. I think it would be bad, but I don't know it could be worse than Tom Hardy. <laughs> mumble, mumble. Uh, uh, I'm trying to be Woody Allen and Conor McGregor. He literally said that. No. Swear. If you Tom Hardy mentioned, fuck, there's three people. One of them's Woody Allen, one of them's Conor McGregor, and there's a rapper of some sort. And he says that, that was the voices that he did when he was doing Venom. Which is why I still haven't seen it. No shame. Then he's in the hospital, finishes the book, plays the audio from the tape because the tape recorder was melted. That happens in the book, but he doesn't do it because he, whatever. Um, actually, he does do it. I uh, come to think of it, and it plays the audio, whatever. Uh, but it's all rambling mumblings. This gives it much more gravity because you hear the daughter in our version. In Chad's version, you didn't. In another version, you know the wife can't hear it, but he can hear it. I like this ending. Like I said but for the fact that there's some permanent evidence of the supernatural. If the tape was suddenly destroyed, I like that much better. And you hate it.
1: Yeah, I don't like the fact that she can hear the daughter in the tape. I wish that she could not hear in the... Like, despite the fact that he is insane, she's like, okay, like, I still love you. And
0: Man, you're like a... You have Florence Nightingale syndrome. You just want to take care of this, like, wounded little fledgling.
1: No, because I wanted it to be, like, love him? no 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 like it is just his insanity like the fact that she hears it too and it makes me think like is she also crazy or you know like is she also like damaged from this like experience with their daughter or so in your perspective
0: this is all just a hallucination and it's just in his mind yeah oh okay i actually i like the idea that there is something so that's why i like the ending but from your perspective if is his insanity then yeah if you look because i think that
1: he went to the hotel and i think that he went to the room but i just think that it was just a hotel room and it was just his insanity like causing all of these things to happen to him yeah
0: that's one thing that's interesting so when he has the hallucination that he lived and it's he washes up on the shore of the beach when he's at dinner with his wife they're talking about his subconscious generating the scenario so that he could try and process the death of their daughter it was pretty good, so I could see what you're saying. But I, I like the spooky. I think that that I I like the cynic getting proven wrong kind of a thing, which I know is weird given atheism or whatever. But you know, I I think it's more interesting that way. And also, I mean, I you know, I almost feel shortchanged to read a Stephen King and that it's not anything scary. It's just thing. But I totally understand why you think that, and I embrace your the diversity of thought. And you are entitled to your opinion.
1: Thanks. Honey. Thank you.
0: Now, in terms of categorizing this movie as a classic, trashic, or tragic, what do you give it? Trashic, I think. Yep, same. I feel like a rated R version of this could be a total classic, but this is just like, you know, I never feel woeful. I never feel like too invested in any of the characters. I never feel like anybody's in real danger. Uh, and just like if you're hallucinating, there's nothing that says that the guy with the claw hammer, which we never even talked about, couldn't rip his fucking face off and have this horrific scene. And then it's just in his head. That's one of the cool things about, like, I think that also, like, looking at shows like Legion and some of the ways that they do, like, kind of artful insanity now, you could probably do this movie a much more inventive way beyond just some visual gags and a slanted floor. I agree. Any closing thoughts?
1: I was just thinking about something of the ending, but then.
0: Which ending? There's like 17 of them, am I right?
1: (laughs) We who had just talked previously about like if I had heard as a like mother, if I had heard the daughter's voice in the recording, I would go crazy. And I would spend like then I would spend the rest of my life either trying to like hear her voice again, like if spirits or, you know, whatever are real, like if he actually heard this and experienced their daughter again, like I would go to. You know, seances or whatever, like t- fortune tellers, and try and get that.
0: Absolutely, I think that's a, a great point, and I think that's one of the things that I like. Why, in my ideal ending, she hears it, but she can't prove that she heard it. So it's just this rambling, like almost zombified state of trying to prove it or recreate it, or that you know it's lightning in a bottle, like mm-hmm. you can't get it back. But in this, I mean, if, if you have the audio of your daughter who's dead, and you can prove, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. You could take it to a lot of places and show and blah, blah, blah. Maybe like a brief little snippet of something where they're trying to get somebody to listen to them. They're like, who's to say that wasn't recorded when she was alive? And just people disbelieving. Or no one else. That'd be nice. I like that too. And it's just that Cinderella has been haunting them. Booyah, I got the name right. Finally. The end of the episode. An hour and 34 (laughs) minutes in. So, wife, I think it's that time. Would you like to bestow upon our guests the catchphrase that you have to end episodes?
1: Slash you later.
0: And for my wife, for my friend Chad, for my friend Brian and his lovely bride-to-be, I am Jake, inviting you. Wait, Chad just gestured at me and reminded me of something. He didn't do it deliberately. We have a like, quest to reach 100. Please, if you have not already done so, go to YouTube, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up. If you're not watching on YouTube, go watch YouTube, give us a thumbs up, then turn off YouTube and go back to the audio version. Thank you very much. That being said, we appreciate all of the goons who've helped out. We appreciate our gold medal goons because I've been starting the trivia challenge and I love so much that I can't even put my fucking phone down from posting it before I already have a correct answer. You guys fucking rule at this. Everything. I love you all so much please just try and make Chad's work worth it on YouTube. We have some fun stuff in the work. It's going to change your butt fucking lives. That being said, for my beautiful wife, for my wonderful Chad, for my blossoming bride-to-be Brian and his woman friend, I am Jake reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy.
2: There you have it, 1408, a movie based on a novella, which is actually a writing prompt that became an audiobook that became a novella. And this week, for our hidden track, we have a song off of an album called Hollow Form, which is accompanied by a short story. So this is from our friends over at Spirit Healer. The song is called A Memory of the Ritual. And I'm just going to read this prompt. Hopefully I don't stutter and stammer too much because I am so tired. Fatherhood, adulthood, editing, all the good stuff. Hollow form is set in the world of, quote, the surface, end quote, where religious totalitarianism reigns supreme and the dissension is inconceivable. The story follows a protagonist, Sim, who, after the recent passing of his son, struggles to reclaim control over his failing farm, crumbling marriage, and religious identity. Sim unknowingly becomes the pawn of a goddess who, after the rise in monotheism, is battling to dethrone the dominant god of the surface. In his struggle to retain his sanity and sense of self, Sim loses all things he holds dear, along with his autonomy. Well, I should shut the fuck up and just let you listen to the song, shouldn't I? Because it sounds great. This song officially drops 6 7 19. Make sure to check out our friends at Spirit Healer. And thank you to my friend Taylor Ryan for giving us everything. They are available on Spotify. So once you stop listening to this episode, go listen to them and then get ready for next week's episode. I mean, it doesn't get any easier than that. What do you people still need my explanations for?